and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus Ask an Expert episode, I'm joined by Dr. Shobhan Manaharan, a fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists, foundation member of the Australasian Society for Cosmetic Dermatology, member of the Australian Medical Association and a senior lecturer at the University of Queensland and Griffith University, Dr. Manaharan has worked in both the United Kingdom and Australia and has subspecialised in cosmetic and laser dermatology. Having been published extensively in local and international medical journals over the last decade and with a special interest in pigmentation disorders, laser rejuvenation and skin cancer management, I found Dr. Manaharan to be the ideal doctor to objectively answer your questions surrounding the skin on the hands and the neck. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. Given that I'm an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be unethical for me to even attempt to address your skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking those questions to a medical doctor. Our Ask an Expert series gives you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors and dermatologists. And while this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series gives you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions, questions that I cannot answer myself. As mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Candela. However, all of Dr. Manaharan's views are entirely his own, and as per any interview with a doctor, you will hear absolutely no specific product recommendations throughout the recording. This conversation was recorded remotely, so for those who would prefer to read the answers to their questions, I have made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on caring for the neck and hands to Dr. Manaharan, from which facial skincare ingredients are safe for use on the hands and neck, and whether the old adage that the hands and neck age first is true or a myth, through to whether or not topical skincare can do anything to firm the loose skin on the neck, and how best to treat visible veins and dark spots on the hands. Let's begin with something that we hear all the time, that being that the hands and the neck are the very first areas to show any visible signs of ageing. Is this true? And if so, why? It may be true for some people, Gemma, but the, uh, a lot of the big surveys that have been done both, uh, both in Australia and overseas have um, you know, perhaps suggested that uh, the eyes and the lower face for, for a lot of people are. Uh, but having said that, uh, I don't discount it. I, I certainly uh, understand that certain uh, individuals will, will notice it in these areas. 
Um, and it can certainly show more advanced changes because the, the skin is very different. It's very different from skin on your face, right? So uh, the further away you go from your face, uh, particularly on the hands, for instance, the, there's much lower density of oil glands. Uh, the, the, the skin's much thinner. Um, you get the environmental insults uh, as well as UV radiation. So a lot of hand washing, detergents, uh, things that you come into contact with. Um, and they can all then sort of uh, predisposed to premature aging. Um, same applies to the neck, sun exposure, genetic tendency, people wearing fragrances and colognes. These are all things that might make you um, give you a predisposition to uh, early aging signs. You mentioned that the skin on the neck and the hands is quite different. Now, I received a lot of questions about topical skincare for these areas. The big one was, can our facial skincare be used on the neck and the hands or do these areas require more specific care? Um, it, for most people, you definitely can use it. It just ends up being more expensive. Yep. Um, so, you know, your facial skincare routine is, is uh, on, on a magnitude more expensive than what you'd often use for hands. Uh, I'm a bit of a princess, so I use the same thing that I use on my face, on my neck, and my hands as well. Um, and, I, you know, it, it, you can certainly use it if it's within your means. Uh, the, only, the only thing you need to be aware of, I guess, is that uh, for some people, uh, you might be a little more oily on the face, um, and drier on the hands. So it uh, doesn't mean you can't use your facial skincare on your hands. You might need something a bit more nourishing on your hands. Um, also, um, sometimes if you've got a lot of sun damage and things like that, you, your, your active ingredients on your hands might sometimes be actually a little bit heavier, uh, uh, more concentrated than uh, what you use on your face, for instance. A listener has asked, is retinol a bad idea for the neck as it's quite a strong ingredient? And is the skin on the neck too thin for retinol? Absolutely not. Retinol is good for everyone. Um, so vitamin A, everyone should have a vitamin A unless you're pregnant and breastfeeding um, or, or, you know, a, a very young individual, you know, a, a kid. Uh, most people should have a retinol in their life and you should have, you should be prepared to use it on um, uh, you know, much of your body. Um, you can we understand that some people have more sensitive skin, particularly on the neck, for instance. And so you might choose to use a low concentration retinol. Uh, you might alter your um, retinol routine. So instead of using it every night, you might use it intermittently two or three nights a week. Um, you might choose to layer it with moisturizer first so you get less irritation. Um, um, and sometimes I'm, I'm in favor, I, I'll often prescribe quite, quite strong retinols. Um, but get people uh, to use it for short uh, duration. So I call it a short contact re regime. So where you leave it on for, say, two hours a night, for instance. So these are all th ways you can, even if you do have sensitive skin, use an appropriate retinol uh, in sensitive areas. Areas you've got to be super careful about are occlusive areas like, you know, um, armpits and groins and, uh, um, you know, underneath the breast and things like that where, where um, uh, there's um, a lot of friction. Uh, and the skin's very sensitive, and these are probably the only areas that you can you can avoid uh, retinols. But I'll I'll get patients to use it on eyelids and, and lower eyelids, all all the way up to their eyelid margin, carefully and washing off before they go to bed. Along similar lines, another listener has asked: Are there any face products that we should not use an excess of on the hands? Not really. Um, the, you know, I guess 
no, no, let me take that back. You you shouldn't use anything in the the, the question was uh, you shouldn't uh, can you use um, anything in excess on your hands and you shouldn't use anything in excess and shouldn't yeah. use anything excess on your face either. So technically, yes, uh, but um you can use most of the things that you use on your face on your hands as well it's also a very uh, appropriate area it's also an area that gets a lot of sun damage and, and aging changes you want collagen remodeling you want um, sun damage uh, sunspots field change to improve uh, so you can use uh, retinols you can use uh, alpha hydroxy acids um, and um, you know there, there shouldn't be any issues there I received a few questions about SPF, which I'm thrilled with, um, particularly for the hands. We are told that we should reapply our facial sunscreen throughout the day. Do the same rules apply for the hands? Absolutely, especially if you're outdoors. Um, And keep in mind, reapply whenever possible. Um, If you're swimming, reapply immediately post-swimming, regardless of what your your sunscreen uh, markets themselves as. Um, and um, hands hands are an area where, especially with this, um, you know, we're living in, in during the pandemic, we're all washing our hands ex- more than what we usually were. Uh, so your sunscreen is not going to stay on for very long. So um, apply it. And if you're indoors um, and, and you've done hand washing, make sure you reapply before you go outdoors, especially if you've got fairer skin uh, and have a higher risk of um, skin cancer and aging. It was a good point there about regardless of what it markets itself as, because there are a few <laughs> that just don't make sense. No, exactly. So look, um, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt, do your own research, uh, get advice from, um, you know, from, from medical professionals and, and professionals in skincare and, and uh, make some make some good health decisions there. Absolutely. Now, can we use a hand cream with SPF in it, or do we need to use a quote-unquote actual sunscreen? Uh, you can you can use a hand hand cream with SPF in it, um, but I guess it depends on your SPF coverage. The, what what you're going to find is a lot of um, moisturizers, for instance, that you use as a hand cream might have SPF 10, SPF 15, you know, the lower lower SPFs, right? So. Uh, most of us living here in Australia, we still have uh, very high rates of skin cancer here. Um, and most of us who are trying to uh, reduce your um, photo aging as well would recommend 50 plus, uh, uh, as, you know, SPF 50 plus. So if your moisturizer doesn't have that, consider layering. So layer your sunscreen with your moisturizer, add a 50 plus sunscreen on top of it. And it's not a straight line curve. It's not you know, SPF 10 on your moisturizer plus SPF 15 on your uh, sunscreen is going to give you SPF um, 25. It's, you know, it, it, you go aim to aim to have the highest possible sunscreen that you can tolerate um, based on your skin type and your risk factors. What are some of the most common signs of photo aging on the hands and neck that we should be looking out for? On the neck, uh, the first sign is often what we call poikiloderma. Now, poikiloderma is like a combination of pigmentation, uh, redness, and textural change, right? And you can often see that on necks and chests, uh, particularly in, in um, fairer skin individuals. Um, and, um, you know, the, the risk factors for that is fair skin, sun exposure, and also um, fragrances. Uh, you've got to be careful about wearing fragrances in that area. Now, um, on the necks and hands, you can also develop freckling or, or worsening of one's uh, pre-existing freckles. Um, and you can also then develop wrinkles. You can develop 
we have fine lines wrinkling. You might even get heavier lines wrinkles as time goes on. So these are things that you need to be aware of. Um, keep an eye out for sunspots. So little flaky red spots, for instance, or, or um, um, spots or lumps or bumps that aren't going away need to be looked at by, by specialists to ensure that there is no development of her early skin cancers there as well. A listener tells me that she has ongoing dermatitis on the back of her neck and that steroid creams haven't worked. Are there any treatments that you might suggest for her? I guess it depends on getting the diagnosis right here. So, you know, um, is it truly dermatitis? If it it is truly dermatitis, often a combination of good um, intensive moisturizing and combining it with steroidal or anti-inflammatory uh, non-steroidal creams can can clear it, uh, but it will often require maintenance with the right moisturizer, etc. Uh, if it's more severe, stronger steroids, uh, other creams, or even oral medications are sometimes used. But the problem is, if it's not settling, um, seek seek a, a proper diagnosis because there are a number of other conditions that can present as um, as dermatitis and you know, everything from you know, psoriasis and uh, contact rashes and drug rashes um, all the way to you know, there's a condition called cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, which is a, a lymphoma of the skin. So it's a broad spectrum of things that can present. So if it's not going away, I always tell patients if a lesion isn't going away or rash isn't going away just with simple therapies, um, seek some medical input or a specialist input. Very, very good advice. While we are talking about the neck, another listener tells me that she is waking up with fine lines on her neck each morning, which are presumably creases from just sleeping. How can she prevent these from turning into wrinkles? <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough. It's a genetic predisposition here. Moisturizing before bedtime might be useful. Uh, using a retinol or a retinoid intermittently um, probably helps as well. The other thing is I've trialed, I've been asked to trial a number of um, uh, compression garments and silicon garments, mm. uh, silicon dressings that you can use. There's a number you can uh, Google or, or read about, um, which, which actually work uh, when you can sleep and apply it consistently. What people find is the consistency is a problem. People get un- uncomfortable with it and um, don't follow through. Uh, but these are all small things that you can do to continue or to, to minimize your risk of this progressing que- uh, quickly over time. What about skin elasticity around the neck? This seems to be an area where the skin first kind of becomes loose, I guess, for lack of a better word. What treatment options would you recommend? Uh, this is a very tough area for rejuvenation. All of us specialists will um, do a lot of rejuvenation work, laser and surgical work will tell you it's one of the toughest areas to treat um, appropriately, adequately, and to give a good long-term outcomes. Now, with severe changes, if someone's got a lot of laxity, you're looking at surgical options, right? So you're looking at a neck or a lower facelift, often in combination. Uh, but people who are, uh, who have earlier changes, who are looking for non-surgical options, um, there are a number of devices and technologies these days that, that we can tap into. Um, these include uh, radiofrequency treatments, radiofrequency needling or microneedling, um, high-frequency focus ultrasound, um, you can even think about thread lifts, uh, which have all sort of progressed over over the last decade to have some uh, very good 
uh, results in a more subtle way for earlier changes for a patient. So in, in these are all things that help tighten uh, and rejuvenate the skin. Sometimes you can also add fillers, for instance, to contour the lower jawline and, and add lift as a result. Um, and if you've got little stubborn pockets of fat underneath the, the, the chin, um, there's a product that uh, it's a fat dissolving injection. So these, you know, a combination approach is, is, uh, is ideal in this situation. A listener has written in saying, I've tried topical skincare to firm my neck, but I'm not sure if it's working. Her question is, do these sorts of firming, lifting, neck decolletage treatments actually do anything? Um, to be honest, many of them don't. It's a loaded question. <laughs> it, it is loaded. And, and especially if, you're, if you think about um, the, the anatomy of this and if you've got um, uh, skin and, and loose tissue and volume loss all the way from the skin down to down to bone. Um, there's no cream in the world now or anywhere in the near future that's going to lift and tighten like that. Um, having said that, um, there are creams um, that are useful to improve the surface, um, especially in combination with with other treatments. So um, you can, you know, I, I always still recommend a gentle cleanser, a moisturizer based on your skin type, uh, and some actives. You know, your A's, your B's, your retinols. Um, these are all things that, as a package, will help you have good skin long term. Um, but then you're looking at what, what we talked about earlier as, as um, some of the deeper devices to, to help lift and tighten for you. And don't forget your sunscreen. You know, that's, that's vital as well. The same listener asks, is laser a solution to a firmer neck? And what would you recommend? Um, once again, it, it, you know, it's, it varies from, from individual to individual and based on the severity of your changes, how much laxity you have, your skin type, how much surface changes there are as well. So um, I, I mentioned a number of devices before, and these, those were all lifting devices and tightening technologies. Um, and they, they, they're great, and they, for the appropriate patient, um, they, they can give you good long-term outcomes. Um, but for more surface changes, for instance, laser, uh, there are lasers that we can utilize. Uh, we, we describe some of the changes uh, like as poikiloderma or elastosis, which is even more sort of uh, ragged cobblestoning type changes on the neck and deeper wrinkles. Um, and there are lasers like non-ablative lasers that we can use with low downtime. Um, and they're ablative lasers. So I specialize in utilizing CO2 erbium ablative lasers. Um, and these have a bit more downtime, but can definitely penetrate uh, more um, and break down some of that collagen a bit more effectively, promote new collagen and elastin forming through. Um, it's still a, a, a tricky area. It's not it's not an area where we can treat it quite as aggressively as we can treat your face, for instance, with laser treatment. So, for instance, on a face, we might do one session and, and it winds back. I call it, you know, my, my trademark 10-year flashback. On your neck, you're looking at much more subtle, uh, lower settings, more subtle improvements, but something that you do over a series of three or four sessions and then maintain by doing a session every three or four months, right? Um, we can give you improvements, but slower. Moving away from elasticity, I received quite a few questions about really prominent visible veins on both the neck and the hands. How can we make these veins appear less prominent? Okay, so uh, this is really 
dependent on the size of these veins or the size of the vessels, right? So for very small capillaries and, and uh, um, uh, even, even veins and vascular lesions on the face, for instance, um, face and neck, um, there are lasers that we can use. We use uh, vascular lasers like the MD YAG or uh, for finer finer vessels, we might use pulse dye lasers and um, like the V-beam. And these are, these are great devices and they can give very good results. Um, however, when you're looking at bigger vessels, um, especially on the backs of hands, for instance, you're probably looking at techniques like sclerotherapy, where um, an agent is injected into these veins um, under the appropriate experienced professionals. So we usually send them to the, the right vascular surgeons, and um, and these. Uh, agents then shut down. They're called sclerosins, or, or and they're they're like detergents that shut down the vessels. Um, so the bigger vessels often need this. Even bigger vessels might be a, be surgical candidates. So it depends very much on the size of the vessels. Another skin concern that I received a number of questions about uh, age spots on the hands specifically. What causes these, and is it possible to erase or even just to fade them? So uh, I hate the word age spot. Um, it is it is true. It, it's more likely uh, as you get older, but uh, there are genetic tendency predominantly uh, often runs in families, often start off as little freckles, for instance, and over time, sun exposure and genetics uh, make them get darker and some of them can get thicker as well. Uh, we can definitely make big differences with this. So if you if you only have a few little isolated ones, you can use uh, picosecond lasers or pigment lasers, which do a beautiful job uh, just making them frost up um, and flake away over a few days, absolutely no downtime. And then if you've got a lot of them and a lot of freckling uh, that are that are um, dispersed all through that area on the back of your hands, uh, you might use that or you might use IPL uh, devices, right? Because they, they um, blend in. Uh, quite nicely um, and that might be a series of sessions for instance you might do between one to four sessions and that could could reduce and, and clear your, your pigment uh, your brown spots um, and there are non-ablative lasers can be used as well so um, there, there are lasers like FRAX which um, is a wavelength laser which you can even combine with the uh, uh, IPL devices the nice thing about using combination treatments like that is you don't just pick up the pigment, but you also improve the tone and texture of your skin. So you're getting collagen remodeling and, and uh, um, better elastin production there as well. So a bit more downtime. Your hands look like they've had a sunburn um, and they're a bit flaky for, for five days or so, uh, but you might get a bigger result by, by that combination technique. With those options that you've just mentioned, are the results of those permanent or does the client have to come back for, you know, repeat treatments over time to maintain it? it they, they're not definitely not permanent. Mm -hmm. um, these will return. If those ones don't return, you might, you'll, you'll probably get other ones because, it, you know, like I said, it's a genetic predisposition. Um, so maintenance, maintenance is ideal. So sunscreen, uh, you can use the retinols and your alpha hydroxy acids topically to, to slow down so slow down new ones coming through, um, and then you might do intermittent IPL sessions, um, say once every three three to six months, to try to keep them away as well. Um, nothing in skin is permanent, um, so like anything else in regards to healthcare and, and uh, uh, skin health, um, maintenance is key. We we drill that into uh, all our patients uh, regularly. 
perhaps a nice note to wrap up on. I've had a listener ask, what are your top few recommendations for things we can do to prevent aging of the necks, the neck and hands before it occurs? I don't love prevent aging. Let's say things we can do to keep our neck and hands looking healthy. I like that. I like that too. Um, so tip number one, as I mentioned before, sunscreen. Um, so photo protect yourself um, and do that regularly and reapply. I've got my, as, as most, most of us dermatologists do, we've got our ABCs. Um, so A is your retinol. Everyone should be on it. Like I said, there's more evidence for retinols than uh, any other molecule in terms of um, keeping skin healthy and uh, reducing the signs of aging. Um, B and C serums are antioxidants. So they, they reverse or, or prevent that uh, um, damage from happening to your skin as well. Um, then there are things that you can do that are a bit more intensive. So if you come into a practice like ours, there are uh, high concentration chemical peels, for instance, that you can have done. Um, some light laser, it doesn't have to be heavy things. You can get some non-ablative laser treatments done uh, intermittently as, a, as a, what I describe as a treat for your skin. Um, so you, you remove the surface damage, remodel, get some new, nice new skin coming through. And, and by doing those things, both on your end and from what we can do on our end, um, we should be able to keep your skin healthy and fresh long term. That was Dr. Shobhan Manaharan, dermatologist and director at Brisbane Skin, Westside Dermatology, Sweat Free Clinics and the Psoriasis Institute, who you can find on Instagram at Dr. Shobhan Manaharan. You can discover more about Candela Medical at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.